0: We're going to read God's word together. Now, if you can turn in your Bibles to Mark, chapter 6. Mark, chapter 6. Dav's going to be preaching mainly on the later section, Jesus walking on water towards the end of of this section. But we're going to read from verse 30 because I think it's quite important context. uh, That we understand what Jesus is doing and saying and what it means for us. So we're going to start from Jesus feeding the five thousand at verse thirty of Mark chapter six. This is the word of the Lord. Let's hear and listen with well, listening, expectant hearts. This is God's word to us. Verse thirty. The apostles gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it's already very late. Send the people away, so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. And Jesus told them to make all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves... And the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he, Jesus, was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars, because the wind was against them. Suddenly, before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass pass by them, when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried those who were ill on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed those who were ill in the marketplaces. They begged him So let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. We pray that God will bless the reading of his word.
1: more I need to say after that Oof, amazing words aren't they praise God and welcome it is great to see you all so we're going to continue with our series in the book of Mark and this morning we're in chapter six this is 45 to 56 which can be found on page 1009, 1009 in the church bible Mark chapter 6, verses 45 to 56, Jesus walks on the water. Now, we had verses 30 to 44 read this morning. Jesus feeds the 5,000, as Austin said, to put Jesus walks on the water into context. But I also think that the main theme for Jesus feeding the 5,000, and the main themes for Jesus walking on the water is the same. So when Jesus fed the 5,000, we see his sort of care and his power, and when Jesus walks on the water, we also see his care and his power. So that's the main theme, I think. Jesus' care and Jesus' power. Now, in verse 30... The apostles must have been sort of physically and emotionally exhausted after all the preaching and the teaching they did, after all the healing they did. They must have seen the lives of men, women, and children being dramatically transformed right before their eyes. And that must have taken it out on them. Could you imagine the exhaustion they must have felt, physical exhaustion and emotional exhaustion, from preaching and teaching And seen lives being transformed right before their very eyes. So the apostles had been constantly sort of giving out. And then in verse 31, the people just wanted more and more. And Jesus spots this. What do we read in Mark chapter 6, verse 31? An amazing example of Jesus' care. Then, because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me. By yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. We see Jesus' care there for his apostles, isn't it? Come on, come with me to a quiet place to get some rest. And then what happened next? What do we read in verses 32 and 33? So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them so what did jesus do then when he saw the many what did jesus do when he saw the many did he lose his rag with them did he say oh can't you leave us alone can we have any peace anywhere no what did jesus do what do we read in mark six thirty-four? when jesus landed and saw a large crowd he had compassion on them so Jesus not only cares for his apostles, he cares for the crowd as well, the large crowd. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And when it got late, when the people got hungry, what did Jesus do? Did he tell the people to go away and fend for themselves? No, again, Jesus had compassion on the large crowd. must have been about 15,000 people, isn't it? 5,000 men. If you add the women and the children, at least 15,000 people. Jesus had compassion on them. He didn't say, go on, clear off now. Go and buy your own food. Go and find food yourself. No, I'm going to physically feed these people. I've spiritually fed them with my teaching. I'm going to physically feed them as well. And Jesus cares for them by miraculously feeding them with bread, doesn't he? And some fish. So, as we come to verse 45 of Mark chapter 6, how do you think the apostles must have been feeling by this point? I think they were probably tired again now. (laughs) Don't you think so? Because they'd listened to Jesus teach many things. They had to split up 15,000 people into groups of hundreds and fifties. And then they had to feed these 15,000 people. They had to carry these baskets of like tuna sandwiches round to these 15,000 people. And then after they ate, they had to collect all the baskets in, didn't they? So you can almost imagine them coming up to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we've got 12 baskets left over. They must have been on their knees, isn't it? And I love what Jesus does. He cares for his apostles immediately, isn't it? Jesus could see them flagging. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. It's an amazing picture, isn't it? When we see someone sort of struggling and suffering, what should we do? I remember last Sunday night when we were setting up for Jolly Tots. um, Lottie was carrying this huge box, wasn't she? Sort of... (laughs) waddling like this with this huge box. And then her husband, a great gentleman, he said, oh my goodness, Lottie, let me take that, isn't it? He sort of took it off, isn't it? And maybe all the other men just walked past or something. (laughs) But that's almost like what Jesus does here with the apostles, isn't it? Come on, you have a sit down now. Get into the boat and you just go. Let me sort out all this mess. I'll clear up here, isn't it? It's a great image what Jesus does there. He cares For his apostles, because he loves these men, doesn't he? And my friends, Jesus sees you when you're struggling. Sometimes when we're struggling, we're thinking, oh, no one cares. People are just taking advantage of me. No one cares. Oh, no, Jesus does. And he says, hey, hey, whatever you're stressed about, give it to me. Give it to me. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Whatever it is, hand it all over to me. I'll carry that. I'm strong enough. I'll deal with that. You go and get some rest. You take a seat, isn't it? But Jesus must have been tired too. Jesus is God. Jesus is 100% God. But he was also 100% man, wasn't he? Jesus is the God-man. So he must have been shattered by now too. He'd been preaching and teaching. He'd been performing miracles. So what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do when he's tired? Well, he practices what he preaches, doesn't he? What does he do in verse 46? After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Do you remember when the apostles were exhausted? What did Jesus tell them to do? Come with me to a quiet place, isn't it? And that's such a lesson for us. When we're exhausted, physically exhausted, maybe spiritually, emotionally exhausted, mentally exhausted, what should we do? Go to a quiet place with Jesus, and he'll give us rest. And when Jesus was physically exhausted, maybe spiritually and emotionally as well, what does he do? He has a quiet time with his Father in heaven, up on a mountain. Not a lot of mountains around here, is there? Maybe you don't literally need to go to a monkton, but it can just be, isn't it? Just go for a little drive in the car, isn't it? Just pull up somewhere where it's quiet. Sit on a bench or something, isn't it? Quiet time with a Father in heaven. And then in verses forty seven and the second part of verse forty eight, we see Jesus caring again for his apostles. He just keeps giving out, doesn't he, Jesus? He keeps seeing people struggling or suffering, and he keeps caring, keeps showing compassion. What do we read there? Mark chapter 6, verse 47 through to the second half of verse 48. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he, Jesus, was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars. Because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. So Jesus sees the apostles straining, and he comes to help them. Have you been straining this week? Are you straining this morning? Are you going to strain this week? When we're straining, who sees us? Jesus sees us, and he wants to meet with us. He wants to come out To help us. Now, when we looked at Jesus calming the storm in Mark chapter 4. Do you remember that? Jesus calming the storm in Mark chapter 4. We thought about the sort of raging waters representing sort of sin, didn't we? Is it the prophet Isaiah who says, The wicked are like the restless sea. Isn't it? It's a great image to describe someone who are sort of restless in their sin and wickedness. Like the sea, isn't it? Sort of chaotic. No order, no peace, isn't it? There's no rest for the wicked, no peace for the wicked. So the raging waters is almost like a picture of sort of sin and wickedness. And then the deep water, do you remember the word for deep water? It's abyss, isn't it? And then the deep water is a picture of hell. But Jesus had authority over the wind and the waves, didn't he? Jesus just had to speak the word, and the wind and the waves died down. So that's a picture of Jesus having power and authority over all sin, all evil, hell, and death. Jesus has authority over sin, evil, hell, and death. And here in Mark chapter 6, what is Jesus doing? He's walking on the abyss as if it's solid ground. He's walking over the abyss. He dominates the abyss, the deep waters that represent sin, hell, and evil. And Jesus has trampled over sin, hell, death, and the devil. He has power over it. He's walked over it, so to speak. How? By defeating all sin, death, evil and hell on the cross and by rising victoriously from the dead by Jesus' death and resurrection sin, death and hell is defeated is that good news? I think so but what about the last part then of verse 48 Mark chapter 6 verse 48 what do we read there? He was about to pass them by. That's a strange sort of verse, isn't it? And lots of people have struggled with this. The commentators go to town on this, isn't it? Have you ever read that and say, what on earth is that about? He was about to pass them by. I don't know about you, but I find that a bit confusing. So Jesus sees his apostles straining at the oars. They're probably going to die in this storm, isn't it? And then Jesus goes out to meet them, he walks on the water, and then he's like, just walks by, isn't it? Is, is that what's happening here? What's that about? Why on earth was Jesus about to pass them by? Well, one explanation I've read is that Jesus was simply passing by the apostles in the middle of the boat, and he was going to go to the front of the boat, sort of grab hold of it, and pull it to the land. What do you think about that? It's, I don't know about you, but I find that quite a boring explanation, don't you? It's very practical. Maybe that was the reason. But I think it's a bit practical and pragmatic. Oh, he didn't sort of pass them by completely. He just passed them by in the middle of the boat, Grabbed the front and then dragged it onto the land. That's what he wanted to do. I don't know. I love this phrase, Jesus was passing by. Jesus passing by. Some great sermons have been preached on that phrase, Jesus passing by. Spurgeon has preached a few tremendous sermons on that. And they're so, so emotional, so powerful. I think the most uh, famous passage of Scripture where it says Jesus passing by is Luke chapter 18, isn't it? Do you think so? Luke 18? Shall we have a look at that? Luke 18, verses 35 to 43. Let us hear God's word. Luke 18, verses 35 to 43. So as Jesus approached Jericho... A blind man, probably Bartimaeus, a blind man, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowds going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And I often wonder if he was in two minds or not. Maybe this blind beggar, At the side of the road, he was thinking, Jesus is passing by. He might have thought, oh, I'll get another chance to meet Jesus. I'll get another chance to speak to Jesus. No, he thought, he's passing by, and he might never pass by ever again. I need to cry out to him to be saved, doesn't it? To have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. And uh, Spurgeon has preached great sermons on that as well. When Jesus hears our cries for mercy, he stops, isn't it? You want to grab Jesus' attention? Cry out to him, Jesus, have pity on me. Jesus, help! Whenever we do that, he hears it straight away, isn't it? Just like a cat hearing the kitten's tiniest little meow, isn't it? (laughs) Have you ever been in sort of a room where uh, a cat has heard the meow of a kitten in another room and they just dash, don't they? They just shoot off, isn't it? It's like Jesus, he, when he hears us sort of saying, help, I need to have pity on me, I'm, I'm struggling here. He said, oh, he's there straight away, isn't he? We grab his attention. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he you received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And all the people saw it. They also praised God. So Jesus was passing by. Could you imagine if this blind man would have allowed Jesus to pass by? Oh, I'll try and catch up with him another day. He's bound to pass by here another time. No, he took the opportunity. And some songs have also been written, of not about Jesus passing by. I think the most famous sort of one is a chorus. Is it reach out and touch the Lord? Have you heard that one? Uh, listen to the first verse of reach out and touch the Lord. On one dark and stormy night... On the Sea of Galilee, the disciples were so fearful from the raging of the sea. When along the rushing waters, in the blackness of the night, came the blessed Lord of Glory, He made attempt to pass them by. And then listen to the refrain: Reach out and touch the Lord, as He goes by. You'll find He's not too busy. To hear your hearts cry. He's passing by this moment. Your needs he will supply. Reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. Isn't that so powerful? I love that chorus. Reach out and touch the Lord as he passes by. And you know, this is a fact. This isn't just my feelings or a guess. Jesus is passing by this morning. By his spirit. How do I know that? Because the Bible says he walks among his church. That's a thought, isn't it? This morning, Jesus is passing by. Wow. What are we going to do about it? I'll, I'll speak to him another time. I'll grab his attention another time. No, he's passing by this moment. Maybe this will be the last time Jesus will ever pass us by. Isn't it? Maybe this is the last time we'll be gathered with God's people in Jesus' church. Where even two or three of his people are gathered. There he is in the middle. Jesus is passing by this moment. Don't let Jesus pass by while crying out to him to have mercy on you. We all need mercy. Especially if you're not saved. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe this will be the last chance you'll have to cry out to Jesus as he passes by. We might never get this opportunity again. But then, look at verses uh, 49 and the first part of verse 50. What do we read there? Mark chapter 6, verse 49. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. They thought he was a ghost. Now, I don't know about you, but some people will believe anything, won't they? Apart from belief in God. They'll believe in aliens, they'll believe in all sorts of things, won't they? They'll believe in elephant gods and like three million different gods, monkey gods. They'll believe in anything apart from the one true living God, the God of the Bible, won't they? Seriously, does that help you sleep at night believing in aliens? <laughs> does it really? Or does it really help you sleep at night thinking that you're going to be reincarnated as a cow or something? I don't know where that doesn't bring me comfort and joy to think one day I'm going to come back as a cow. It doesn't really fill me with joy, does it? People believe all sorts of things, apart from the truth, isn't it? They thought he was a ghost. Because it should have been obvious to the apostles that he was God walking on the water. They must have known Job, the book of Job. These men were Jews, they'd been brought up as Jews. They'd have known the Hebrew scriptures, wouldn't they? They should have sort of cast their minds back to Job chapter 9 verse 8, shouldn't they? What do we read there? Job chapter 9 verse 8. He alone, this is speaking about the Lord, speaking about God. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Isn't that quite something? It's only God who can walk on water. So they all should have said, God has come to meet us. But they didn't believe it was God. They believed it was a ghost instead. So did Jesus sort of rebuke them? Did he say, you wicked apostles, why why don't you believe that I am God? Why do you believe that it was the ghost walking on the water? Is that what Jesus does? No, Jesus is immensely patient, isn't he? What do we read in verses 49 to 51? Mark 6 Verse 49, and the first half of verse 51. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out, because they all saw him and were terrified immediately. That's a word that appears constantly in the book of Mark, isn't it? Mark is such a fast-paced gospel, isn't it? Immediately, suddenly. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. Again, we see Jesus caring for his apostles there, these men that he loved. Jesus hears their cries of terror, and he gets into the boat with them. When we're terrified, what should we do? Have you been terrified this week? Have you been terrified in your life? Are you going to be terrified tomorrow? We'll all be terrified at one point in our life, at least at one point. When we're terrified, what do we need to do? We need to allow Jesus to speak to us. We need to allow Jesus to speak courage and calmness into our hearts, don't we? Into our souls. And the passage continues. What do we read in um, the second half of verse 51 and verse 52? So they, that's the apostles, the apostles were completely amazed. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. So now it's become obvious to the apostles okay. This figure that we saw walking on the water, we should have known it was God, but we thought it was a ghost. So, this figure that was walking on the water is Jesus. And they must have thought, well, it's only God who can walk on water. So, how can Jesus walk on water? They just hadn't connected the two, had they? Why? Because their hearts were hardened. But what's this about? They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Well, the apostles should have known by now that Jesus is God. The fact that Jesus miraculously fed a large crowd of people with bread in a remote place, they should have been thinking, hang on, who else feeds a large crowd of people with bread in a miraculous way in a remote place. It is God, isn't it? They should have been thinking about the exodus straight away, shouldn't they? So their hearts were hardened. They didn't understand that it had to be God who miraculously feeds people with bread. And they hadn't understood that it is only God who can walk on water. Because even children know that, don't they? If you ask the children in Sunday school, who can feed a large crowd with bread in a miraculous way in a remote place? They'll all say, oh yeah, the story about Moses, it's it's God, isn't it? Even the smallest child would know, it's only God who can do that. So the apostles should have been like, ah, so Jesus is God. He is the Messiah. He is God who's become man, who feeds people with bread, who walks on the water, who calms the storms. So the apostles should have believed by now that Jesus is God, but their hearts were hardened. And here's a question for us this morning. Do you believe that Jesus is God? Or do you think that he's just a good teacher, maybe a religious leader, Or maybe just someone who is kind of favoured by God? Do you believe that Jesus is God? Have you confessed him as God? And do we live our lives? Is it obvious to everyone that Jesus is our God in the way that we live our lives? Is he Lord of our lives? Let's close with verses 53 to 56. When they'd crossed over they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him To let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Again, we see Jesus' care and compassion here in the way that he heals the sick. But we also see Jesus' power here that people only had to touch the edge of his cloak in order to be healed. But I think there's deep significance to that why did they want to touch the edge of Jesus' cloak in order to be healed? Why didn't they say, oh, Jesus, do you mind if we put our hand on your head or maybe touch your hand or, or put our arm around your shoulder so we could be healed? Why the edge of his cloak in order to be healed? Well, the Hebrew word for an edge of a cloak... Or the edge of a garment is kenaf. Kenaf. So the edge of a garment, or the hem of a garment. And then the Hebrew word for wing is also kenaf. So kenaf is wing in Hebrew, and also the edge of a garment, the hem of a garment. And you probably know where I'm going here. Malachi, isn't it? Chapter 4, verse 2. And I'll read it from the. King James Version. But unto you that fear my name, and this is a prophecy about the coming Messiah. This is like a messianic prophecy. This was written sort of 400 years before the birth of Jesus. Malachi chapter uh, chapter 4 verse 2. But unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness, that's Jesus, arise With healing in his wings, in his kenaf, isn't it? So people are like, oh, could we just touch your wings, Jesus? Because we know even if we touch your wings, your kenaf, the hem of your garment, then we'll be healed. Such faith, isn't it? These people recognized who Jesus was better than the apostles, didn't they? And here's a question for you. Do you recognize who Jesus is? it's more than just recognizing, do you believe with all your heart? And are you living with Jesus as your God? So just to briefly recap, what have we learned this morning? Number one, Jesus is caring and compassionate. Number two, Jesus is powerful. Number three, Jesus is God. And number four, Jesus can speak words of courage and calmness into our lives when we're terrified. So that's maybe something for us to take into the week with us this week. And we all know this, don't we? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. But don't you need to be reminded of it? I need to be reminded of this. I need to remember that Jesus is caring and compassionate. I need to be reminded every day that Jesus is powerful. I need to be reminded that Jesus is God. And I need to be reminded that Jesus can speak words of courage and calmness into my life when I'm terrified.